Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine. Broadcasting today from Agreco Studios. Agreco, powering the Permian. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have another great show lined up for you. We're going to be joined by Dan Haley, who is the president of the Colorado Oil and Gas Association. What a great treat to get caught up with what is happening in the Colorado area. So you don't want to miss that. Of course, I'll be joined by my co-host, David Blackman. But before I bring David Blackman on, I'd like to talk to you quickly about the latest issue of Shell Magazine. It features Mike Howard of Howard Energy. This is a midstream company. We were able to catch up with him and get his input on what's happening in the energy sector, what's happening with his company, and uh, how they're dealing with a lot of different issues as a result of COVID and as well as the company itself. I'd also like to remind you about State of Energy, which is happening September 22nd in beautiful Corpus Christi. We will have a whole set of guests joining us. Sean Strawbridge is scheduled to speak. So are a lot of other heavy hitters in the energy industry. And our keynote is Mike Howard, the CEO of Howard Energy. An event you don't want to miss. It definitely will be a sold out event as even right now with COVID going on, it is more than halfway sold out. So you really should get online and either purchase a table or some tickets. There's still some sponsorships available. And I'd also like to remind everyone that that evening after the luncheon, we'll be having a great mixer for the wonderful women in WIN, Women's Energy Network of South Texas. So come out, make a day of it, make it maybe even a weekend of it in Corpus on September 22nd. Go to shale, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com to get your tickets now. This will be a sold out event. And don't forget to register for the mixer that night. And now it's time to bring on our co-host, editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. David, welcome to this week's show. Hey, it's another beautiful week in Texas. It sure is. Lots happening, of course, like usual. So I want to jump in to the big announcement that happened that Chevron announced it was acquiring Noble Energy. We've had a couple of experts on the show that have discussed the time is changing. We're going to see mergers. We're going to see acquisitions and this low oil price. So how significant was this announcement? Where do you think we're going? Will we see more of these as well? Yeah, it's a big announcement. You know, um, for Chevron, I think it's it's really interesting because if you remember, they finished second last year in the race to acquire Anadarko Petroleum. Yes. Which was a bigger Permian producer, but just a little bigger company overall than Noble Energy. Oxy ended up winning that bidding war for $55 billion. Mm. You know, Chevron ends up buying Noble a year later for really $5 billion for their assets. And then plus they, they're assuming $8 billion in, in debt, outstanding debt. So it's a $13 billion acquisition that last year, probably at this time, would have cost them over $30 billion. So it just kind of shows you how quickly um, things change. Yeah. I mean, they really change and you never know what's going to happen going forward. So this was easily the biggest deal so far in, in 2020. So that leads me to my next question. We've had a lot of experts on. A lot of them have been having a discussion for quite some time that, you know, with the retraction going on and shell plays, we were going to see a lot of merger and acquisitions. Yeah, And a lot of them even went as far as to make 
guesstimates that we are going to really see a consolidation of shales. Mm-hmm. It, are we seeing that now? Do you think that's what's happening, or are we on the cusp of this happening? You know, I people have been saying that for, for well, well over a year ball now. Again. Right. You know, everybody likes to predict those things. Uh, so far, obviously, has not happened. I think um, coming into this year, it was reasonable to expect we would have fairly significant consolidation in the shale business, but COVID-19 interrupted all of that, of course. And now, you know, I think that the thing with biting off Noble uh, by Chevron is they had a lot of synergies in their operations, you know, mm-hmm. not just in shale here in the United States, but in the Eastern Mediterranean and Africa, uh, right. both those companies have operations. So there's, you know, that merger makes a, a great deal of sense from a lot of perspectives. And, you know, I think that other companies like ExxonMobil and BP and Shell want to do some, uh, would like to do some acquisitions of smaller companies, but it has to make financial sense. Just like last year, the acquisition of Anadarko needed to make financial sense to Chevron and and their CEO, Mr. Worth, decided it didn't uh, at that time. And, and so it just depends. It's gonna, a lot of it, so much of it will depend on on whether or not you know uh, the bigger company can find a smaller company that has those same kinds of synergies and operations and a balance sheet that really makes financial sense to to assume right so maybe maybe not only time will yeah. tell uh, let's switch gears talk about wti you know we finally saw it get to 42 dollars a barrel is this trend how confident can we be that this is kind of setting a price for for a yeah. little while. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we can be confident at all. <laughs> Quite honestly, I, you uh, know, four I years mean, later I think, on the show, I think I've learned nothing right. stays the same in this energy industry. It's quick, it's fast, and it's exciting. Yeah, and there, there's still so much uncertainty around COVID nineteen, uh, and so much political pressure, frankly, coming yes. from the Democrats to shut down the economy again in, in advance of the election and all that. Were that to happen, and, and of course, it's up to the governors. So you see Democratic governors in California, Michigan, and some of these other states keeping their economy shut down, telling kids they can't go back to school in the fall, all those things that harm economic growth and economic growth drives oil demand. So most of it just depends uh, where the price is concerned on how rapidly demand growth comes back. It's recovered quite a lot already. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we just have to hope that we continue to see good economic growth between now and the end of the year. I'm, I'm fairly optimistic we'll see $50 West Texas Intermediate before the end of the year, and uh, I'm going to stick to that for now. Okay, well, we, I'm glad you got out the crystal ball and told us. <laughs> what happens out of curiosity? What do you think happens after we come out of COVID and out of this election and things really start turning back to normal? What usually happens to the consumer when this, I know we've not ever been here before, but what do you think happens to the consumer? What are we going to start seeing? Because taxes are going to have, something's going to have to happen with taxes. We spent a lot of money on stimulate, stimulating the economy, yeah. the stimulus checks. Oil and gas has not been used. Once it comes back online and people are traveling their normal schedule, uh, maybe even getting in uh, on planes again, and that traffic picks up. I'm just curious, what do you see happen to the consumers? When we get out of post-COVID in in November 3rd, on November 4th. 
of course, it all depends on who wins, right? Uh, if if Mr. True. Biden wins <laughs> um, and the yeah. Democrats are able to assume majorities in both houses of Congress, uh, then you will see massive tax increases. Yeah. Um, there's no question about that. Biden promises it every day. Uh, if, if the president is reelected and the Republicans can retain control of the Senate, which is about a 50-50 proposition right now, then, you know, there probably will need to be some tax increases, maybe. On the other hand, if you could uh, get a payroll tax cut put in place to stimulate economic growth. Mm-hmm. Which is what President Trump runs right now. Right. And that's what, yeah. And, and you know, tax cuts stimulate the economy and economic growth generates massively increased tax uh, collections to the federal government. That's how it works. Uh, but, you know, it just so much just depends on the election right now. Nobody really knows how any of that's going to come out. What do you think changing gears and, and bringing it back to Texas? We have an upcoming session and it usually yeah. starts in the fall with the creation of the bills and sending it to LBB, the legislative budget board. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think we will see this session? Like, well, do you think the Capitol will be open to visitors and yeah um it's kind of that's a good question we saw in other states this year that uh lobbyists weren't able to go into the capitol building and and lobby for their bills and of course that's kind of a part of the legislative process is the outreach to the members and attempts to educate the members by both sides of an argument Mm -hmm. the holding of hearings hearings. all those things Mm -hmm. yeah and uh you know i i Frankly, uh, if masks really work and social distancing really works, I can't really think of any reason why you wouldn't have the ability to do those things. Uh, but the quote science around all this constantly shifts with, you know, the next TV appearance by one of the doctors. And um, so who knows? I mean, I just think the legislature is going to have to assess everything come October, November timeframe and set their rules and move, for, move ahead. Uh, they, they have to have a session one way or another. We have a constitutional requirement to balance the budget every two years. And so that's going to have to happen at the very least. So they're going to have to have some kind of in-person legislative session. I think the thing that I'm going to miss the most is I just really do not believe that it will be business as normal in, in any capacity this upcoming session. And I think yeah. the thing that I'm going to miss the most is, you know, there were always different sites coming in busloads to talk to the elected officials. They are there to hear their constituents. And so as we would see teachers and unions and, um, you know, other community folks going down and talking to their elected officials, taking advantage of their rights, that probably has changed. I don't think that they probably want to go as much as they used to before (laughs) for the security reasons. Uh, But also the elected officials, hold on, there's too many people in a small environment that might not work so well. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. And I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But for yeah. now, that is all the time we have. Don't go anywhere, David. When we get back from break, we're going to be joined by Dan Haley, who is the president of the Colorado Oil and Gas Association. You're listening to In the Wall Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hi, folks. Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch Radio Show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. 
When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200 kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy. And now it's time for us to welcome our guest, Dan Haley, who serves as the president and CEO of Colorado Oil and Gas Association. Dan, welcome to In the Woolpatch Radio Show. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, Dan, we're really excited because uh, we have not had an opportunity to catch up with COGA, the Colorado Oil and Gas Association. Y'all have had a very interesting path and moving uh, into the future. It definitely is uh, heating up out there in your area. So uh, I wanted to get started first. I want to introduce our listeners to your background. Currently, you, you serve as the CEO for Colorado Oil and Gas, but your history is very vast. You've you focus right now on legislative issues, regulatory, public relations. But tell us a little bit about your past. Like, what led you to being CEO of the association? I know you have some background in media as well, so I'd love to hear how, how you got to the association. Sure. So I spent 20 years in daily newspapers and never really had a plan B. I figured I would be a journalist my, my whole life. Cheers uh, to the media. Yeah, right. So I spent the last 11 at the Denver Post, uh, or 13, I guess, years at the Denver Post, which was my hometown newspaper growing up. And I spent the last four as the editorial page editor, which is a a great job and kind of a job you'd usually, back in the old days, you would hang on to forever. But um, we were at that time, this was 2011, I was in my early 40s, and we were laying people off and taking pay cuts and doing furlough days. And it was really hard to see what the future looked like for newspapers in, in Colorado or elsewhere. And I started figuring I needed to do, you know, something else for the next 25 years. And how do I take an interest in policy and, and politics and communications and, and turn that into a career? I did some uh, corporate communications for a while, started doing some consulting, uh, helping companies kind of maneuver that intersection of politics and, and policy. And I, ended up working for some oil and gas interests, and uh, including uh, the Colorado Oil and Gas Association. And so um, about well, a little over five years ago, the CEO, Tisha Schuler at the time, 
uh, announced that she was leaving, and I applied for the job. So, uh, and was fortunate to get it, and I've been working in this profession for for five years. I was very comfortable with oil and gas, having grown up in Colorado, um, and working in the media and, and looking into it and covering it. I under, I knew what how important it was to to our state and to our country, and uh, have really just and it's a long way of answering your question, but um, no, 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 really. really being in the industry and helping support this industry that's so vital to everything that we want to do in the 21st century. You know, it's a conversation that David and I have a lot about with different associations and the path forward. And I think we, I I can't, I won't speak for David, but I really believe that these associations, they're learning that they just can't focus on regulatory and legislative issues anymore because public relations is vital now. And so when they have someone in the CEO that is a really good, effective communicator, you can just do amazing things. And I think that a lot of the associations are waking up to how important that is. And so it's really good to see that that's your background. You feel very comfortable and and can communicate properly with the folks that are out there in the Colorado area, because you guys have had a lot of issues. Before we jump into those issues and drill down, tell us a little bit about COGA, the mission. Um, You know, what is the state of the oil and gas industry for Colorado? Sure. So COGA was founded in 1984, and um, our board got together last year, and we refined our mission a little bit and simplified it. It was one of those things that was really long. It was on the website. Nobody quite understood it and, and really decided that our mission is to be the unified political and regulatory voice for our industry in Colorado and to support our members through advocacy, partnerships, education, and stakeholder engagement. And so our our vision, our broader vision of all that is to create a thriving, innovative, and respected oil and gas industry in Colorado that embodies the values that we all have, that we prioritize the protection of our environment, that we're providing the natural resources that we need to advance as a society. And so uh, it's a a lofty mission, but it's an important one. And so um, our board decided on that last year. We have, COGA has mm, close to, 300 members that represent the entire value chain of the oil and natural gas uh, system here in in Colorado. And so, uh, and as you noted, there's a lot going going on here in Colorado. So it's important that we have a healthy, uh, interested membership to get us through what what can be some trying times here in Colorado. And you guys definitely have had a lot of trying times and later on in the show we have a lot of questions lined up for that i think the a lot of the difference that we see is texas we've had we have our share of activists we have our share of issues we certainly all of us are the energy industry has had a, a really tough go COVID-19, and then of course oil prices once again plummeting there's been a lot uh, that every area has had to deal with but Texas is far more friendlier in, in, to oil and gas. I think the majority of the citizens truly understand uh, the benefit. And uh, Colorado, not necessarily so all the time. It's a beautiful state as well. There's a lot of beautiful scenery. You tend to have a lot more environmental activism going on in a state mm-hmm. like Texas. And I know you guys have endured a lot of regulatory hurdles and things that we're going to get into when we get back from break, I want to talk a little bit about your area specifically of what's happening, shut-in wells and uh, recovery process. 
that you guys are seeing in, in that area. We do have to take a quick break. You're listening to an Oil Patch Radio show, and we'll be right back. Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, advertising and social media and search engine optimization all of these areas really affect how google ranks your entire listing so if ranking on page one is your goal pick up the phone and call us now 210-240-7188 or simply go to shalemag.com slash business profile we'll be in contact with you within 24 hours once again pick up the phone and call us now 210-240-7188 or simply go to shalemag.com that's s-h-a-l-e-m-a-g.com slash business profile start dealing with a company you can trust and always find remember this name oil field experts to locate any part anytime for your automotive or oil field equipment needs oil field experts specialty is those hard to find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965 from the auto repair shop to the pump jack call us for the right part right now write down this number oil field experts 210-471-1923 again that's 210-471-1923 and visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com Back, you're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Dan Haley, who is the CEO of Koga, Colorado Oil and Gas Association. Dan, thank you for getting us updated quickly on what's happening in your Colorado, and of course the membership, what the association does, the mission. We've been noticing in Permian Basin some of the companies are starting to put back their shut-in wells back online. Can you give us an update on what's happening in the DJ Basin? So um, in Colorado, we've got two major basins, several basins, but two that we focus on, uh, the Denver-Julesburg Basin and the Fionce Basin on the Western Slope, which is a dry gas basin. We currently have six rigs running in Colorado, five in the DJ, one in the Fionce. That's down from about uh, 25 to 28 a few months ago before COVID-19. Uh, we, we were in the 30s uh, last year, and we were uh, in the 70s five years ago, six years ago. So uh, really have seen a reduction in uh, rigs and, and work happening out in the DJ now, just with that, uh, the price point being where it is. Uh, we have seen uh, a lot of wells being shut in. I don't have a, an official number on that, but it was, you know, into the thousands, uh, a couple, uh, I would say probably six weeks, six weeks ago at this point, as people are looking for that price point to move a little higher before you begin to see uh, drilling again and uh, the opening up of those of those wells. So we're watching that closely here uh, in, in, in the DJ and in the Peons as well. But I think it's going to be a little bit longer before you begin to see that activity tick up a little bit. Um, everybody's watching prices closely, uh, trying to keep liquidity on their balance sheets as they go through this, you know, really tough time in our industry, not just in Colorado, but obviously across the country. Dan, um, 
on the ballot initiatives, you know, Colorado for the last really decade now has kind of been ground zero for ballot initiatives related to the oil and gas industry. You guys have just been really successful in beating most of those back. I, I saw here over the last couple of weeks, I think two different uh, ballot initiatives that people were working on, Colorado Rising and, and, and another group, um, have ended up kind of pulling back on those. And I wanted to give you a chance to talk about what's been happening on that front out there. Sure. I think it's important to note that this we have had a strong environmental movement in Colorado for decades. Uh, we were the only state, I believe, in the world to turn down the Olympics in the 1970s because people were worried about uh, what would happen, the impact to the environment. So uh, this has you know, been the Colorado way for a long time, and our operators understand that and know that we need to operate at a very high standard in this state. But in the last 10, 15 years, you've seen a rise of activism, often uh, with outside money coming into Colorado because they understand that our politics are very purple here and, and, and maybe light blue <laughs> as we trend more democratic in the last couple of election cycles. And so they know this is an area that's ripe for um, these types of initiatives. So you've seen Colorado Rising and different groups coming forward. In 2018, there was a 2,500-foot setback on the ballot that would have devastated this industry in Colorado, would have made about 90 percent, 94 percent of oil and of land off limits to new oil and gas drilling in the top five oil and gas producing counties in the state would have cost 77,000 jobs right out of the gate in our state. So it would have been devastating, not just to oil and gas, but to Colorado in general. Uh, and Coloradans stood with us in November 2018. While they elected a very uh, blue state legislature, elected Democrats across the board, they stood with the oil and gas industry, and we defeated it by a 10-point margin. Uh, there was plans to put another one on this year from Colorado Rising. They have since pulled back and said they're not doing it. However, that group has now splintered in two in the last couple of days, and some of the activists from that group are going to try to take something forward. Uh, but we, we, So we don't know if they'll be able to get on the ballot. Uh, we'll know probably mid-August. But um, there's still some movement on that end in Colorado right now. And, you know, Dan, I think it has a lot to do with – when associations are very effective in communicating uh, a good message that the community can understand what is at stake, what is the issue at hand, you know, the fact that you guys were able to defeat it because there was effective communication. You know, I'm hoping to see changes in some of the associations that they focus more on specifically being able to take a look and try to talk to the masses who are the voters because they haven't done that in the past so well. So it's good to see that you guys are doing something right. But I am going to have to take a quick break. We're coming up on a hard break. When we come back, I want to get back on the topic of what's happening in Colorado with your legislator. You're listening to In the World Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G.com to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone today and call 210-240-7188. Again, 210-240-7188.
And we're back. You're listening to and the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Dan Haley, CEO of Colorado Oil and Gas Association. Dan, before the break, you were telling us about how effective your messaging was to really get the point to the voters, how important oil and gas was to them. What do you think was the magic bullet, if you will, that helped you guys get over the hump that you needed to against the activists in your area? Sure. Well, I'll say a couple things. One, probably 10 uh, years ago, we were not doing a good job of this. We were not doing a good job of going into communities and explaining what we're doing, why we're doing it, why it's important, why it's good for our community, our state, and our country, and why it's safe. And when we weren't doing that, we created a vacuum that activists filled with horror stories and scare tactics. Right. And we, so we had to spend a lot of money and a lot of time on education and getting the right information out there. During the 2018 campaign, it was a lot about jobs. It was about introducing our industry employees to the rest of the state. And say, These are your neighbors. They have good-paying jobs in the oil field, which support your jobs throughout the economy. And we really hit that message home. Now it's time to begin to turn that a little bit. We can always talk about jobs. We can always talk about the taxes that we pay. We've got to tell our good story about what we're doing to protect the environment, how we are controlling emissions, how we're reducing emissions and methane, uh, how we're protecting the groundwater in our state and across the country. We've got a good story to tell. We have to begin to tell that and really hit to the heart of what people are concerned about. People want to talk about environmental issues. They want to talk about climate. We've got good stories to tell. We need to be comfortable in telling them and understanding the facts and science that's on our side in this case. And we really need to get that message out to Coloradans and to the rest of the country. Yeah. And Dan, you, you mentioned the 2018 ballot initiative that, that you were able to defeat. And, and unfortunately, also in that election, as you, as you said, the, uh, the voters uh, gave Democratic majorities to both houses of Congress and also elected a Democratic governor who has a long history of being opposed to the industry there in Colorado. And in that session in 2019, uh, the legislature passed a huge bill that restructured the Colorado Oil and Gas Conservation Commission and, and had put in place several prohibition or restrictions on the industry's ability to do its business anyway. And I, I'm just curious, uh, is, are you seeing anything like that being repeated this year, the 2020 session of the legislature? Or is it, is it calmed down a little bit? So the 2020 legislative session was interrupted by COVID. They came back about three weeks ago and just wrapped up yesterday. There was nothing near on the level of uh, Cynical 181, which is what passed in 2019, proposed or passed this year. So for that, we're thankful. There were a few other things that are a little troubling, but uh, nothing on the level of 181. And we're still dealing with the impacts of that. That rule, which Democrats called the most comprehensive changes to oil and gas in 60 years, is still being implemented. It set into motion about a dozen rulemakings, um, some of, of which have been delayed by COVID-19, and we're prepared to, to, to do some of those in August and September, but others we've already uh, completed. There is no aspect of this industry that has not been under an intense regulatory microscope in Colorado in the past 10 years, but even in the past year to going forward next six months to a year because of Senate Bill 181. Just about every Every aspect of this industry has been regulated intensely. Uh, and so 181 was, you know, it was damaging to industry. It, 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 I think it uh, was hard for some investment to come into the state when people look at Colorado and, and it seems like there's some, you know, political turmoil happening 
here. And so it's important that we get through this process and that we uh, can get to rules that work for our industry so we can continue to operate here in Colorado. This is oil and gas is important to this state. We're the the number five uh, natural gas producer in the country, the number six crude oil producer in the country. So not only is it important to the broader energy security arguments of our country that we're working here in Colorado, but it's important to our state. We pay more than a billion dollars in state and local taxes that go to schools and parks and recreation centers and things that we value in this state. So it's important that we, we get it right and that we continue to work here in Colorado. You know, Dan, the Colorado Oil and Gas Conservation Commission the legislators restructured it, that regulatory agency, last year, expanding both of its membership and its mission. How has that been working out so far? What's your opinion? So a couple things happened. Um, one, they, they changed the makeup of the COGCC uh, temporarily, and they removed some science from it, which is troubling. This bill was all about protecting the health, safety, and welfare of the environment and, and our fellow Coloradans. And the way I look at it, who knows how to protect health, safety, and welfare of the environment in our fellow Coloradans more than scientists, engineers, geologists. They removed those positions from the COGCC. So it's about eight to one, uh, one oil and gas person, eight other types of folks on that commission. They're a voluntary commission. They've been slowed down by just being new to the process. Uh, So it has been a slow process, and COVID-19 further slowed it. Now we're supposed to have a brand new commission, a professional commission of five people, including one oil and gas representative, that are going to be full-time. And that was part of 181 as well. Our hope is that this full-time commission will obviously spend the time to get to understand the technical nature of this industry, um, how complex it is, all that we're doing to protect the environment, um, and will be um, easier commission to work with because they're professional, they're there all day, and they're really invested in understanding this industry. It's our hope that um, there's a good oil and gas representative on there and that we can work with the other four commissioners and really, again, move move this industry forward in Colorado. Well, you know, before we go to break, I will say that a lot of the operators that are in your area are also in the Texas area, too. And if there's one thing that we have seen with, of course, the real experience uh, explosion, if you will, for shale in Eagle Ford and Permian, most of these operators really do work really well with making sure that they uh, stimulate uh, the economy, are good uh, em- employers uh, where they're living and working, they, they care about the environment, and they do work with uh, a lot of the conservation societies, donate a lot of money for uh, a lot of the necessary funds to keep, like, the rivers clean. And so, I mean, I think that a lot of the operators were sharing them and, you know, just looking at who these operators are. They're really good operators. So hopefully you do get a good representative over there and um, are able to, to really get something going over there. When we get back from break, we have to talk about the Colorado Senate election, too. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Tracy Bentley, the President and CEO of the Permian Strategic Partnership. Improvements to road safety and infrastructure across the Permian Basin have been a priority for the Permian Strategic Partnership since our inception. Over the last several years, new pressures and increased traffic have resulted in crowded, damaged, and dangerous roadways. To fully realize the unprecedented opportunity for energy production and economic development in the Permian Basin, we must focus on building and sustaining a reliable transit infrastructure. The PSP and our Road Safety Committee are working to identify solutions for priority transportation routes and increased access 
to financial support for locally driven projects that enhance safety and accessibility for all residents and workers in the Permian Basin. The PSP recently committed $80,000 in grant writing support that helps secure $12.5 million in federal funding to increase capacity along 22 miles of US 285 spanning from the Texas line to Loving, New Mexico. Construction on this project is set to begin this summer. Its completion will mean safer travel for the oil and gas industry and regional commuters alike. For more information, go to permianpartnership.org. Permianpartnership.org. Welcome back to Indy Oil Patch Radio. I'm David Blackman with my co-host Kim Bellotto and our special guest today, Dan Haley, the CEO of the Colorado Oil and Gas Association. Dan, I wanted to ask you, we have a really interesting Senate race going on in Colorado this year between the Republican incumbent, Cory Gardner, who uh, is a one-term senator uh, running for his first re-election. And the challenger, of course, is, is Democrat John Hickenlooper, uh, former two-term governor there in Colorado. And, and that race is, is really important, it seems like, uh, in determining the balance of power in the United States Senate for the next two years. I'm just curious, how do you see that race shaping up for the rest of the year? It seems like it's going to be awful tight. Yes. So uh, Governor Hickenlooper, a Democrat, first has to get through a primary. He's facing a former House Speaker in Colorado named Andrew Romanoff. And that race has really heated up in the past couple of weeks. And for a couple of days, wow. really, uh, and has taken kind of a fairly nasty turn. But um, so it's interesting. I think that uh, Governor Hickenlooper will emerge from that race. He's got good name name recognition. He's a Democratic opponent, is a uh, uh, proponent of the new Green Deal, and is pushing that quite heavily. Um, governor Hickenlooper, when he was the governor, um, a lot of uh, the activists on the left accused him of being too cozy with oil and gas. And right. a lot of oil and gas folks had lots of troubles with Governor Hickenlooper because we were in a constant state of rulemaking under his under his watch. But he's a former geologist, so he understands the oil and natural gas industry. Uh, it'll be interesting to see just how he positions on that during this primary. We got a couple weeks left in it. I'm hopeful that he doesn't uh, run away from our industry and that he sticks with the facts and that he understands, you know, how important it is to, to Colorado. Senator Gardner, a Republican has been a supporter of industry. He's also a supporter of the wind and solar industry. He understands the need for an all-the-above energy portfolio for this country. But he's been somebody that we have been able to rely on who supports working families in Colorado and supports uh, our industry and understands the importance of it to, to our communities and to our state. So it is, uh, it is, I think it's going to be a tough, uh, toughly fought uh, election. I think the Democrats will tie Senator Gardner to President Trump, who has been unpopular in, in Colorado. So uh, I, I don't I can't predict which way it's going to go, but uh, it's going to be interesting to watch, certainly. Very interesting. Are you going to be able to have in-person voting in Colorado? Uh, we have had mail-in voting for the past several election cycles. I believe since 2014, there are in-person places to have to cast ballots, but every voter gets a ballot in the mail. We're not really fans of that, but let's go back to all the above. <laughs> I'm not a fan of that, I should say. Uh, all the above, BP announced a big write-down this week, and it was due to part of the company's apparent belief that they are part of a dying industry, if you will. 
I think when we talk about BP, it's British Petroleum, and I think when we look at these big integrated companies that are focusing around the world, and there's a different view of how they perceive oil and gas in different areas of the world, I wouldn't think that more local uh, oil and gas operators that are not these huge integrated feel the same way. But I guess I want to ask you, what's your point of view of the industry's future? I, I mean, this is a, a big announcement from BP. Sure. Well, I'm a little biased in that I am paid to advocate for <laughs> the oil and natural gas industry. But when I look at this, just I take off my glasses, uh, my oil and gas colored glasses, and I look at our energy supply. And I know over the next 30, 40 years, we're going to continue to need massive amounts of energy mm. in this world. There are more than a billion people right now who don't have access to affordable, efficient, abundant energy that they need uh, to have a, a good lifestyle. And so I know we're going to need oil and natural gas for the foreseeable future. It is going to be an important part of our energy portfolio through 2050 and beyond. Um, so there is a future for this industry and an important future for this industry. I, there's not a technology that exists today to replace what we do, whether that's fuel for, uh, you know, uh, jets to how we power the grid, all of these things, uh, to creating cell phones and to you know, the nylons and all these different things that come mm -hmm. into uh, the <laughs> oil and gas play here, right? So th there is a, an important future uh, for our industry. And I think we need to make sure that that is, the table that's set nationally, that our national leaders understand that, that this Green New Deal is right now a fantasy and that we're not going to, to fuel uh, our economy on, on, on renewable energy right now. It's just not possible. And so I think it's important that as companies explore, certainly it's up to every company to explore the investments that make sense to them. The leading uh, user of solar energy on the western slope of Colorado is the oil and natural gas industry. Uh, we have, uh, you know, we found ways to make it work in, in our uh, operations out in the field. And so it's important that we, you know, look at these things holistically, but there is a future for oil and natural gas in this country, and it's important that people understand it and that we are part of the solution going forward. That's another frustrating thing for me. When we talk about climate change and things like that, it's important to look at what's already being done to clean our air through using natural gas. And don't we want our partners around the world to be burning clean gas and all argue clean gas from the Rockies uh, rather than coal and, and really cleaning up our air and making things work for everybody. I think there's a real answer here, and we need to be proud supporters of it and vocal advocates for it. What do you say to the people who, who might say these big integrated companies like BP and Shell, you know, they all are focusing on a very diverse, of course, uh, shareholders and boards that they answer to, and you have this ESG that really has been play, you know, taking main stage with a lot of them. You think any of this has anything to do with the ESG, which is their, of course, environmental belief structure that they're trying to pivot just to kind of satisfy their shareholders and board members? Yeah, I think you have lots of investors that want to see change, and they want to see change now in, in many of our companies. So those companies all have to make their own individual decisions about what works for them and how they go forward. I think ESG is an important thing. I think we – and I think we have the story for it, though. I mean, I think we we just need to tell that story and make sure people understand it. Uh, on the, the philanthropic side, there's nobody that competes with this industry. This is an industry that cares. I see it every day in Colorado. Mm -hmm. We started compiling – how much our industry gives. And over the past three years, we've given over $40 million to nonprofits in our state. Now we're really beginning to look at the environmental benefits and the reduction in emissions, the reduction in ozone, all these things that we're doing to, to clean up our air and to do the right thing by Colorado and by our country. And so 
again, I go I just pivot back to we have we're doing it. We've got the story. We just can't be afraid to tell it. And I'm not, you know, criticizing any company. They obviously they need to make the decisions that work for them and for their company. But I think that we need to remember that this is an important product, an important industry, and we're doing the right thing many of the times. And we need to be uh, unafraid to tell that. And it really is a matter of life and death when you look at how energy really sustains life. And it also is a matter of national security. And with that, Dan, David, and I want to thank you for being our guest today. And thank you for giving us some insight into Colorado. And you guys sound like you're doing a fantastic job. Keep it up. And we look forward to having you back on the show here. If something's breaking out there, let us know. We'll be happy to put you back on the radio. That would be fantastic. Thanks for having me on. Hey, and before you Thank leave, you. before you leave, Dan, give our listeners an opportunity to know where to contact Colorado Oil and Gas Association. Sure. You can go to our website, coga.org. And if you're looking for a lot of our sort of political action information and talking points and how we, uh, you know, really uh, argue our, our points, go to coga.org forward slash take action. There's a whole uh, bunch of information there. Uh, fact sheets, just lots of great information to get out. When you're having conversations with your friends and family, it's important you're armed with facts and data, and uh, we provide it all there. So COGA.org or COGA.org forward slash take action. Very good. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.